Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your candidate or career search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston, executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know I love to bring you topics that I love. So let me go ahead and introduce you to our guest today so we can get started and so you can learn all about what we're going to talk about today. So on the show today, I'd like to welcome Chastity Crowley, a certified coach with the International Coaching Federation, which I've learned quite a bit about lately, (laughs) and also with the John Maxwell team. Most recently, though, she was certified in emotional intelligence, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Chastity is a skilled coach, leader, and results specialist, and she is here today to discuss the importance of emotional intelligence when interviewing and in the workplace once hired. She is passionate about international leadership or intentional leadership, probably international leadership too, and employee engagement. (laughs) Two important factors of a healthy, successful workplace, and I think she would agree. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us today, Chastity. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Casey. So tell us a little bit about this recent certification and what that means to you. Yeah, so something crazy excited about just being certified in emotional intelligence. Um, You know, as I work with uh, different coaching clients, um, just seeing that emotional intelligence is such a foundational piece of every aspect of coaching that we're dealing with. So whether it's employee issues or leadership development or personal development, um, just seeing that it all comes back to at some point in time in the conversation to an individual's uh, emotional intelligence. So what is this emotional intelligence? Um, How can someone identify if they have it, if they have too much of it or not enough? Yeah, you know, great question, you know, because, I mean, we've heard the buzz term about it, EQ. A lot Mm -hmm. of people know EQ. You've heard um, the different books that are out there. Um, So kind of a more formal definition that I just wanted to share on emotional intelligence is it's a set of emotional and social skills um, that influence the way we perceive and express ourselves, that's number one, develop and maintain social relationships, cope with challenges, and then lastly, use emotional information in an effective and meaningful way. Now, that's the technical side of it, but I like to break it down to, at the minimum, what it, it's what makes us tick, right? What makes us, how do we respond in those situations when challenges come? Um, I also like to define emotional intelligence by what it is not. It's not just your emotions, right? So a lot of people, when they hear emotional intelligence, they're like, eh, no, that's not for me because they're thinking, you know, like the emotional side, someone crying or just getting angry or upset. That's not what it is. It's also not, you know, connected with IQ. It is its own standalone um, thing about how you tick and how you show up in different situations. Interesting. So just because I have a super, not me personally, but if I had a super (laughs) high IQ, that's not related at all to emotional. That's correct. That's his own intelligence. 
<laughs> right, EQ, exactly, right. IQ does not equal EQ, and that's a very important distinction, right? Um, okay. So the thing with intelligence is it can be learned. Usually with IQ, if you look at the different tests that are out there, your IQ is established very early on in your life, right? That still doesn't define how successful you'll be, but it's usually established very early on in life. But your EQ can be learned and developed over time. And that's what makes it so powerful. And that's what makes it such a game changer for anyone's success. So even if you think about people that you know that are successful now, or even go back to your high school days, they had a crazy high IQ and you just knew, right? They're going to be the ones that make the million dollars out there. You know, they're going to be the ones to start the companies. But that's not always the case. Those that are able to go in, really interact with people, understand and connect, have just as much success as those that have that high IQ level. I couldn't agree more. So let's talk about this emotional intelligence from a candidate standpoint. So and okay. by candidate, I mean a job seeker, someone that's going to look for a job. So how can a candidate highlight their emotional intelligence before they even get the interview? And, you know, where does this fit or does it fit on the resume? Yeah, what a great question. Um, so the framework that I studied under, you know, and looking at emotional intelligence, number one, it's a circular model. And it starts with self-perception, who you are. And then it moves and it lends over, leads into self-expression. And then it goes into uh, interpersonal relationships, decision-making, and stress management. So those are kind of like the five key aspects. So when you think about that, and I'm looking at a resume, as a hiring manager, I'm looking at the resume. The resume is the first introduction to you, mm -hmm. right? So when you look at that self-perception and self-expression, your ability to express yourself, tell your story of what you have accomplished is what shows up on the resume. And I work with a lot of people in a wide spectrum of aspects. And one of the hardest parts of the resume is to tell your own individual accomplishments. What have you achieved, right? To paint that story. I'm sure if I were to ask you, you know, um, about your resume or to tell me about one of your candidate's story, it's easier for you to to share and talk about someone else than it is yourself. So that's an aspect of emotional intelligence and how it can show up on the resume, your ability to express yourself on, in writing, showing those accomplishments that you've um, achieved. And so we refer to that as the made, saved, achieved. So, and I believe that's what you're talking about. So that's just another reason why you should include those accomplishments because- Oh, absolutely. I mean, number one, you want to see what you made the company, what you achieved, made, saved the company, and then what you achieved on behalf of the company. But it sounds to me that like there's an emotional intelligence piece to that, that it's showing that you do know how to, your self-perception of yourself is one of value. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and to that point, it's one of those things, it's kind of interesting. I was... Um, taking a class or something this past week, and it was talking about, you know, adding value, which is a very important contribution, you know, any organization. We want to be able to come in and add value. And that's one aspect of it. The other part, though, that the individual is talking about is one thing to add value, but it's another thing to communicate the value that you add. And that was very profound to me because there are a lot of individuals that are out there that are truly adding value to the workforce. You know, they're just going above and beyond but it, they're not always able to communicate the value that they add. So they may miss out on opportunities because they're missing that next piece of communicating it out. 
I think you are speaking to me. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there, right? I can definitely raise my hand on that one as well. Yeah. So, um, so let's say, all right, you've looked at my resume. Um, you're the hiring manager, you know, you're impressed with it because I've made, saved and achieved quite a bit for my last company. And we're now we're in the interview process. What role does emotional intelligence play here in the interview process? And how does it help either a recruiter or a hiring manager to better understand the candidate? Right. So actually on this one, I'm going to ask you back a question. Okay. When you're working hiring managers, what's the main thing that they want? You know, of course they want the skill set, but even more than that, they want to fit. They want a culture fit. Right. Absolutely. And that right there is where your emotional intelligence comes in. That emotional fit piece. So in the interview process, think about it. Most interviews are not just tell me about your technical skills. I can get mm-hmm. that the resume. I can give you an assessment that can show me those technical skills. Most interviews are based on behavioral interviews. Tell me about an experience when you had to deal with conflict, when you had to deal with a challenging customer, um, when you had to deal with team dynamics, right? Those those things that cause our emotions that can trigger us, right? So the ability to express and demonstrate how you're able to identify, yes, that was a difficult situation and this is how I handled the situation. That's how your emotional intelligence is able to show up in those interviews. And it's so important, number one, to have the awareness of how you handle the difficult situation, right? To be able to articulate and communicate that out And more importantly, if there's something that you did not handle well, then there's your opportunity to grow in your emotional intelligence, to recognize where you may be having, um, you know, that emotions coming up, you may not be dealing with the situation properly. So now what other tools do I need in order to process, in order to move forward, to become more effective in those situations? I love that so much. I think one of the things that I learned, and I've just, I've not certified, I've, I read a book. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I read a book, but I think one of the things I learned is I'm really good at recognizing the emotions of others and meeting them Mm. where they're at, where I fall short. And I'm okay with saying this because I'm working on it is recognizing my own emotions and, you know, dealing with those in the midst of like a chaos, like if a situation's out of control, you know, I'm going to get mad and instead of trying to deal with that emotion. So, um, but I'm working on it. Yeah, and and you're not alone. And so there's another piece of emotional intelligence. Um, So to me, you have the emotional intelligence, the awareness of it. You have those exercises and those steps that you can use to increase your emotional intelligence. So not just your awareness, but now how do you choose to show up in those situations? And that's the most important piece, right? And I love it. There's a book that I just read talking about leading with emotional courage. Ooh, that's the name of it? That's the name of it, yes. So that's a real key piece of it when we're talking about really increasing our emotional intelligence. It's not just about being nice. It's not just about what? I'm sorry. Oh, I said it's just, it's not just about being nice. It's about in those hard situations where your emotions are up, right, and elevated, and yet you still have to manage the situation. How are you going to respond in those moments? It's easier for us to revert back to what we're used to doing or 
Am I going to stretch myself and really in this moment lead in a courageous way and choose to do something different? I think that goes so nicely into the next question because I wanted to ask you about the role that emotional intelligence plays when you are working within a team and trying to build mm. better teams and create that synergy. And, you know, I can give you an example. I think we um, had one person that we hired on to our team, and it's not that this person wasn't a great person, but sure. their awareness of how they approached others mm -hmm. and how they made others feel was not on par, I would say, with what we were used to in the office. And it really caused a lot of, I hate to use the word chaos again, but a lot of chaos, a lot of disruption. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I will tell you, that's why I would say one of the challenges for a lot of high performers. For some, not all, it they've hit that level of performance and have moved up in an organization very quickly because of their technical skills. But as you continue to move up and you hit these different teams where you have other high performers that are there, other people that you know can do the same thing that you do, and now I may challenge you differently, mm. right? Because I, it's okay, um, I'm not as impressed by your skill set, right? <laughs> I can right. do the same thing. Now, from a team dynamic standpoint, that may you, you have to show up differently. So just to go back to your initial question, though, so that, that's a kind of a little sidetrack there. But to go back to your initial question as far as how does emotional intelligence shows up with the team, one of the most foundational parts of a team is building trust. And one of the questions you have to ask is how do we build trust? And that's going to be getting to know each other. And getting to know each other means you have to share parts of yourself, right? Being aware of how you show up, being open to if you are a new member on the team and you are maybe rubbing against the team dynamics in a way that, you know, and they need to address the situation, that you're open to hear their feedback. And you're not just dismissive to what they're saying, but that you're open to it, as well as the other team members being open to the feedback that you may be offering, right? So again, that emotional intelligence, when conflict happens on the team, how do we as a team work through the conflict? Our emotions are a little bit heightened. What are those conversations that we look at? Do we have the trust with each other to be open and transparent and to really share what's happening so that we can move things forward? So I'm curious, and I'm working with a client right now where I'm seeing this with the team dynamics that, you know, there are, we're, we're getting a lot of pushback on that, um, not wanting to open up and be willing to hear what the new people have to say. You know, what is your recommendation for our, our companies that are trying to build those better teams, but they're getting that resistance at the base level? Yeah. Well, you really have to go back and uh, you have to go back and be open to understanding what those dynamics are with the team. Has there been a breakdown in trust? So if a team member is not open to sharing whatever feedback or information and in a safe environment, there's something that's been broken. And it can be something as simple as I shared something in confidence with one person and that person told another person mm. and then now it came. Right. There, it's in the details of those situations. Where may are there breakdowns of that communication or maybe information's not flowing through the team? Only one person is the receiver of the information. 
Um, you know, so there are other dynamics that are definitely at place. So it really comes down to where is there a person or someone that can come in in order to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations in order to determine where there's some potential areas of breakdown. That is really good. And I think, you know, I can see clearly, and I'd like for you to speak a little bit more on this, but sure. that the emotional intelligence can also affect the um, motivation and encouragement. Oh, and so, I mean, just what you're just saying. And so maybe that's what this company's seeing. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I'm going to go back to the framework here. Um, so when you start out with self-perception, that's really starting with you. How do you see yourself? How you see yourself is going to lead into how you express yourself. Right. So even as a team member, if I have whether low self-esteem or there's a story I'm telling about myself, so I always like to do like the back of the head, there's something going on in the back, right? There's this subconscious story I'm telling myself, that's going to ultimately bleed out into how I express myself and those my ability to connect with other team members. Right. So just from a motivation standpoint, you just never know where someone may be coming from, right? And so the connection to emotional intelligence there is that person first having the awareness and recognizing, oh, wow, there may be some internal things I need to work on. Mm -hmm. And that's what's in my external environment. So interesting that you say that. And I know this is everybody, but um, I call that writing scripts in my head. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And you know, I just, I was a contributor for a book recently. It was called The One Habit for Success. And we had like 30 different contributors, so 30 chapters, but we all talked about the one habit that set us up for success. But what I thought was so interesting is we had to talk about the one unhabit that set us up for success. Ooh. And so my okay. unhabit was not writing scripts in my head. And mm. how when I quit trying to fill in the missing information for the stories that I was being told and I would embellish right. them and make them way bigger than they were. That's right. when I quit. I don't know exactly how to say it, but you know, you walk in with a different attitude when you're not writing stories. And so the example I give in the book Absolutely. is like, you know, you, you've just had a fight with your coworker, right? Emotional intelligence, not working right now, you know? And so you go to, you see that coworker go into the boss's office and shut the door. You know they're talking about you, right? You know it. And you know that no matter what happens, even though you think you were right in that argument, the boss is going to take the other person's side. So you get a box and you start packing your desk. Sure. And the coworker That's walks right. out, goes to their desk. They open the door. The boss comes over there and says something to you, slaps you on the back and smiles. And you just gave yourself a lot of anxiety for nothing. And so nothing. I think that relates back to emotional intelligence as well. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Right. Just those, the perception that you have. And so even, so another big part of emotional intelligence is the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Right. So that empathy side and to broaden your perspective, listening to others, even when it is uncomfortable and you don't like it, listening and hearing another side of a conversation and believing that it's possible that what you think is about to happen, something different can happen. Right. And take totally. place. <laughs> Yeah, right. So no, and you're right. So the ability to stop yourself in the track before you start going down the writing the scripts in your head moment to stop yourself and say, you know what, this happened. 
and then just being open to the other possibilities of what may play out afterwards or have the follow-up conversation with the individuals. You know, and I tell people all the time when I'm talking to them, you know, who are writing scripts in their head when I'm coaching, I'll be like, you know, mm-hmm. assume good intentions. If you're going to write a script, yes. assume good intentions. That's right. Don't look for the negative because if you look for the negative, you're going to find it. Your mind will make you're it happen. You're going to find it. So. Absolutely. So I love, you know, we were talking about quotes a little bit before starting. So one of my favorite things that I always say to my clients is energy goes where energy flows. Yep. So time. Right. So if your time and your attention is put in that negative place or this bad thing is about to happen, all your energy is flowing that direction versus, as you said, the possibility or even, you know what, I, this is going to happen and allow my energy to flow to the positive. Exactly. Exactly. I heard another quote and you've probably heard this one before, too, but whatever you focus on grows. Oh, absolutely. 10%. So. We could probably trade these all day long. I love these <laughs> so, all right, let's go back to the workplace and let's okay. talk about job satisfaction and productivity. How does mm-hmm. being aware of our emotional intelligence help us in those areas? Yeah, so this is an interesting question. And um, so I'm going to have to answer them separately because okay. they're not synced for me, right? So when we talk about job satisfaction, the thing that comes up is your awareness of, are you in the right job? Mm. Right? So a lot of people, for various reasons and purposes, am I chasing the money? Am I chasing a career because other people think I should be doing this? Versus being, (laughs) we've all done it at some point in time, right? Versus being okay with who you are and how you show up and being open to the other possibilities that are out there. So there, to me, there are, there are also other dynamics connected with job satisfaction, but the connection with emotional intelligence is that self-awareness piece. Mm-hmm. What works best for you? Is this something that aligns with who you are? Or is this something that is coming from external sources? Oh, that so is such a good answer. Such a good answer to that one. So what about productivity? How can emotional intelligence help us boost our productivity? Yeah. So I'm going to share a personal story on this one. So I've, I've taken this, I've got my own coaching on in this area as well. And so I came up high in stress management, and w- which I really am, you know, and I know this for myself. So when they said that, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can handle a lot of stress in different situations. But as we were debriefing the assessment, one of the things that came up, though, was in the reverse of it was problem solving. And I'm like, that's interesting. Yeah. So as we were sharing and going deeper into it, though, my coach made a very interesting point. He just said, just because you can manage the stress doesn't mean that the problem shouldn't be solved. So, so, I know, right? I had to sit with that one too. So this specific example that even resonated me came up with me. I had this event that I was doing for about 50 managers. Um, so all the leaderships were coming into the room. You know, we had all these many, you know, anytime you're putting on a large event, you have about like 50,000 things that are happening at the same time. And I was juggling, right? Um, but I had the opportunity that I learned that instead of me juggling, go ahead and bring in the other team members, delegate it out, solve the problem of the need to even juggle. 
So from a productivity standpoint, right, that was very powerful to me. That was absolutely powerful to see it in the inverse. It didn't show up as I thought it would, but from being productive, I mean, that increased my productivity tenfold. That is such a great story. I love that. And, and okay, and tell me what he told you one more time, because that was really good. Sure, sure. So bottom line with it, just because I can manage the stress and handle a high level of stress doesn't mean I don't, or doesn't mean that I should ignore the problem that can be solved. That. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And, you know, as a leader, and we talk about this a lot on the show, especially as, you know, the higher you get up in leadership, the more you really have to, you know, kind of watch it. One of my guests recently called it, he coaches CEOs only, and he called it the Mm -hmm. shadow side of success, which I think is directly Mm -hmm. related to emotional intelligence, you know. But, you know, we know leadership can be emotionally taxing and that emotional strain can weaken a leader's ability to be effective and influential. How can a leader at the top manage their emotions mm-hmm. better so that they can maintain effectiveness with their team? Yeah, what a powerful question, Casey. And I think the key part of it is number one, to recognize that even though I'm a leader, whether I'm the CEO, senior manager, middle manager, first line manager, I still have emotions, Mm -hmm. Whatever role I'm in in the organization does not remove my humanity. (laughs) And that's important for people to acknowledge and recognize. So in order to be effective in leading my team in those high moments of stress, I first, and this is something that I tell all of my managers and the leaders that I work with, when there's something that comes down and hits you, you take time to deal with it first. Right. Take that time. Don't, don't just automatically put on the Superman or Superwoman cake. Take that time. You deal with it first and then be prepared to move out to your team. So I think that's the key part there, especially for leaders, is to take the time, give yourself the space to deal with these various situations that come up to you first before needing to lead the charge with the team and help move things forward. And, and so what I'm hearing is that you don't react you are proactive about whatever situation comes up. And that way it gives you time to manage those emotions. As much as possible. So here's the reality though, as a leader, you don't always have the time to be proactive. Sometimes you are having to deal with reactive situations. And so even in the moments of having to deal with the reactive situations, take a moment for yourself, check in with yourself to see where you're at. Because wherever you are, and this is the main thing, wherever you are in those moments, it will be projected through your message. So even if you want to do the rally cry for the team, if you are struggling with the message, it will come through as you're communicating. That is so good. That is so good. And I would also like to say on the flip side of that, if you're dealing with a gremlin or a limited belief as you Mm -hmm. are, you know, approaching people, they're going to sense that as well. So I know one of the biggest uh, limiting beliefs that comes up with me is I'm not good enough. Right. Yeah. And if I give a message and I'm in my core, I'm checking in and I'm like, I'm not good enough to do this podcast. That's going to come across as I interview you. And that's not fair to show up that way for you. Right. Well, not only not fair to show up for me, but not fair for you because you're limiting yourself, stopping yourself from growing into your greatest form. Absolutely. So believe it or not, 
We are almost to the end of our show, so I definitely okay. want to make sure we hold time for our VIP questions. These are our fun questions we ask all our guests. So are you ready for the first one? I'm ready. All right. If you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about this like really hard. I know. Well, if I could pack everything in my suitcase, I'd just take the suitcase with everything. But I'm guessing oh, that's, that's probably clever. <laughs> um, I would say my top three things would be um, my phone specifically for my Audible playlist. I am a book and learning fanatic, and I just love to absorb and consume information. So that'd be number one for sure. And it also can allow me to stay connected with those that aren't with me. And then the other two is, I can't leave the kiddos. I have two awesome boys, right? Aww. So Caleb and with me, we're going to Mars. <laughs> I think quarantine me that. <laughs> so well, we're taking a trip. That is awesome. What is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Can I give you two? You can. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, I think the first thing is definitely waking up just with gratitude, um, you know, and being intentional about starting each morning and just being grateful for the day that's ahead. And then the other thing that really I've been utilizing just to help me move forward um, in some different ways is to set my intentions. So having at least one or two, not really more than two, as crazy as that sounds, um, things that I want to accomplish for the day. Um, and it's usually connected with, I do Sunday planning. So looking at my goals for the week, what are those two things that are going to help me move closer to the goals that I want to achieve? I do that too. Nice. <laughs> my intentions are more along, um, because I do my rocks. Are you familiar with traction, the three rocks? So I'll do my three rocks, my three things I have to get done that day. But my intentions are more about my mood and my stability mm, and how I want to show up good. that day. So that's, and then Absolutely. I do my gratitude as well. So I love that you do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So final question. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Hmm. So this one was kind of interesting one. So I think at the end of the day, I would want to say, would like the news article to read something like, she impacted millions because she let the one know that they matter. Oh, that just gave me chills. That's yeah. really, really good. Chastity, how do people get in touch with you? So the best way to get in touch with me right now is via email right now. So info at freeyourmindconsulting.com. Um, I have some great resources that are out, um, but that's the best way to get in touch with me for right now. And you're on LinkedIn as well, right? Yes, that would be great. I'm on LinkedIn as well as even on Facebook also. So you okay. know, feel free to reach out. I'd love to connect. And as usual, um, audience, as you're reaching out to her, be sure that you mention that in the subject line that you heard her on the We Are VIP podcast. So she'll be sure to respond to you quickly. So. Absolutely. Well, I just have one more thing to say to you, Chastity. Sure. You, you are a VIP. Thank you. Appreciate you, Casey. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. 
To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.